Good morning, church. I'll ask all of you who are in conversation to, to uh, come back to your seats. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Michael and Cody, for... There it is. I need my trusty stand here. Big hand for Carlin, everybody. Uh, that was weak. Let's give our tech team a big hand. They, these guys, there are a few challenges today, and you'd never know because they always figure it out. And uh, I appreciate that. Thank you, uh, all of you behind the desk there, helping with making production. Uh, though our production is not very complicated, it can be challenging at times, trying to stream and figure out how to make sure that everyone that's a part of CLA and beyond has an opportunity uh, to be a part of what's happening here on a Sunday morning. My name is Tim, and if I've not met you, uh, welcome to CLA. Can we just say hi to all of our guests? Give them a big hand this morning, everyone. Yeah. Uh, I know we've got some friends here from out of town and uh, different uh, connections throughout the, the room here today. We love that you're here, that you're with us. If you're here for the very first time and you're from the community, welcome. Uh, my wife and I, Devin, we have five children. Our youngest is uh, two years old. She turned two yesterday. Um, it takes a bit for a two-year-old to figure out that it's her day, but by the end of the night, she knew it was all about her. And uh, that continued this morning as well. <laughs> Verity is uh, my twin, if you've never met her. Uh, she is our surprise baby, for those of you who want to know that as well. Uh, I am 40, and I am too old to have a two-year-old, but God graced us with this incredible gift. And our oldest is turning 13, our youngest as well is two, and everything in between. We have a journey that we've walked as a family, for those of you who don't know. And today, uh, beautifully woven together is this idea of generations. We're in this conversation about unconditional we were able to um, bring perspective to this just a few weeks ago here on stage and then last week during our weekend off. Did you all enjoy your family weekend, your long weekend? Yeah. I, uh, I appreciated the time uh, with my, my family. As you know, my son had a soccer tournament in Edmonton. It's the first one that I've been able to go to in forever years. And uh, we've intentionally taken these long weekends and made them an online experience so that you could plan and pivot towards being together, traveling, uh, getting away with those that you love. We want to make it intentional and something that we look forward to throughout the year. So please think about that as these weekends come up in the calendar moving forward. But we were there. I know there was probably eight or ten of you um, from the Saints Alive community that gathered on the Sunday uh, to be together as well, be a part of the service and have um, lunch together. I loved hearing those stories. If that was you or you did something like that, well done. That's the goal. That's the point. And we want to continue to open up our homes to those that we love and our, our neighbors and our co-workers and everyone that desperately needs to, to be a part of something that has depth, that has value, where people can feel like they belong. And the series we're in right now, Unconditional, we talked about love, we've talked about the generations of, of connection and being a part of things that, that have eternal value. And today, as Michael was up here talking and sharing these stories of friends that are on the front lines in Ukraine, my heart is just pulled here and there all week long. Who's with me on that? So much tension in our hearts of what to think, what to believe, what to, how to process all of this, not to mention in our own country uh, for, for these weeks and months that we've been in as, a, as, a, as Canada from, from coast to coast. There is so much to think about. And as I've been walking through this in my heart and developing a thought and prayer around things that have, I would say, the most importance or the priority of life, we have, to, we have to say, I have to say, and I'm sure many of you would agree, that thinking about the generation that is up and coming, Gen Z, this group, ranging from about 7 to 27, 
This is priority. These are the young men and women that we need to be thinking about right now. These are the stories that we just heard about. Kids on the front lines sacrificing and making decisions because of what has been invested into them, seeing things beyond what's just in front of them with their earthly lens and looking into the supernatural, into an eternal perspective and asking the Lord, what do, you, what do you desire of me right now? There's an obedience attached to some of those stories that I found so powerful. My heart is, is today is to bring to all of us something that I desire. I'm gonna be a little bit stronger this morning. Is that okay? Usually I'm a glass half full optimist. I'm kind and I love to do that and that is my natural self. I love to be inclusive in all environments. Uh, hopefully we all do, but you know what I mean. I naturally progress towards uh, building into all of us um, perspective and thought and challenge that would encourage you, that you would leave encouraged. And it's no different today, but I, I want to focus in on some thought this morning for these next few minutes that will make you think, that will make you wrestle, that, um, that will give you something to... to uh, to focus on over the week ahead and the season ahead as we continue to strategize for our kids, our youth, our young adults here at CLA. God is doing something. He's building and he is developing, uh, as we speak, strategy for these generations. And that is what I want to look at today for a few minutes and challenge you and, and hopefully desire in all of your hearts to commit to a few things for 2022. Some strategy first, as I mentioned, and then I'll land the plane this morning with a three-part kind of practical application that I'm asking every single one of us to commit to. And that is strong, but I believe it's very, very important. As I mentioned, this generation, Gen Z, this is what the world is talking about right now all over the globe. From 1995 to about 2015, that is the window. Who's in that window today? Can I see your hands? Nice and high. Born between 95 and 2015. There's many that are downstairs, but there's many young adults over. Clearly, they lean over to the stage, stage left here. <laughs> Love you guys. One out of four Canadians are Gen Z's, 25%. That's big. That's important. That is something we need to consider. There's a lot of bad news about this generation that we read about, that we talk about. Some of us, we have decided in our hearts is true about this generation. That's not a judgment. That's just a a reality. We've had experiences that have given us things to think about that often have been on a side that has been negative. But they say that two out of three, roughly in North America, in this generation are leaving the church or have already left. That's big. Twice as likely than any other generation before it to become atheist. Twice as likely. I don't know where these, how they gather these stats, but this is what I read, and um, we're going to go with it because it gives us something to at least think about. Whether it's higher or lower than that, it's still significant. There's only 3% of this generation that are reading their Bible on a regular basis. 3%. COVID came along, and it's easy for me to say this because we've all experienced it, but it's really, it's decimated all of us in some kind of way. All of us from oldest to youngest, but especially this generation, there's isolation, there's this technology addiction, there's lack of emotional intelligence. I even find it in my own children, who I will share a few stories about moving forward this morning. But even the opportunity to look them in the eye and have conversation, where we're intentional with this with our kids, you can still see the disconnect of how this works at 10, 11, 12 years old. Who's with me? It is fascinating 
on one side and very discouraging on the other side as to how this group has been groomed and what they've experienced. Some of these junior high students don't even know what normal school looks like. It's now year three-ish of nothing that we ever experienced in school. They're all working it out day by day, trying to figure out what this is supposed to look like. Many people would say that there is a lot of bad news and that we have a problem with what is being developed in this generation. But I want to give us a different perspective this morning. I often do. I don't think that it's necessarily a problem. I think we have an opportunity, an opportunity to be intentional, to care for these young people in a way that saves them from a lot of heartache, a lot of challenge, a lot of things that I believe the Lord desires them to, uh, to avoid and to not experience in their life. This is nothing new when it comes to young people, but for some reason there's this urgency and this wrestle for this group currently that we need to get serious about. I want to start off with this verse. It was a verse that I heard a few weeks ago that really jumped out on me. It's found in the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is, it is not the last book of the Old Testament, chronologically, but chronologically, sorry, but chronologically it is. The way that it was written, it's actually the last story of history before Jesus and the New Testament is the book of Nehemiah. There was a season where Israel was taken into that Babylonian captivity or that exile chapter. They had many of them, but this one was significant. It was a 70-year period where Israel was decimated. They had experienced a lot of loss and a lot of pain and a lot of things stolen from them. Almost a modern-day picture of our world today that we are living in to an extent. The walls were being torn down figuratively and literally for, the is, for Israel back then. And walls were always that symbol of good systems, good values, good traditions. These things were, were being threatened. They were being destroyed. Sound familiar? It's often some of the angst that I feel about faith community today and its, its perspective from the world and its value and how it has a reputation that we're not always proud of, but at the same time, we're seeing this generation below us finding less and less value in something that we often, in this room, have given our lives to. We need to figure this out. Nehemiah was, at the time, the cupbearer of the king in Babylon. Babylon was modern-day Iraq or Iran for all of you who love to understand, you know, where that is in the world. He had favor in the king's palace. And he made an appeal at that time to go home and rebuild his country. This is what he desired. And he was, because of the favor, he was granted this desire from the king. I'm asking in this message this morning for the spirit of Nehemiah to fill all of us. That's my prayer. That's been a prayer for many leaders across North America in this season, that we would have an urgency in our hearts for the spirit of Nehemiah to fill us, to recognize that the rebuilding needs to take place. We can point fingers at whose fault it is, or, or we can take responsibility to be a part of change, and that is something that I often work through in my own heart when it comes to the things that we're dealing with and wrestling through in life. And this one is no different. In fact, it's been really heightened for me at a, at a level that I've never experienced before in my life. Even though I youth pastored for 17 years, I haven't had an urgency like this ever. Let's read this verse in Nehemiah 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. He said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Whether you have kids 
in this room right now or not, we're all, all of us are responsible for what this passage and what Nehemiah is talking about here. We all have a role to fight for this generation. I believe that this generation actually wants us, not just me, but many leaders do right now, that they actually want us to fight for them. There is some unique conversations that are going on right now with Gen Zs, and I'll get to that in just a few minutes, but people would say that they are disinterested, that they are so independent, and they want their own things right now. They've been isolated into really figuring out life in a way that, that, that is very, very independent, or at least so focused on uh, a screen in front of them. That is how they communicate. That is how they how they do life many hours in a day. In fact, it's four to five hours a day that the average young person is on a device. That's way too much. And we are not immune to that in our family. It is something that we constantly have to work through with our kids as well. But there is so much that is happening around us. But I want to show us, including myself, in a very strong way that it's, that it's actually not true that they desire these things for their life. It's just what's happened is that, that by default and by experience and by life situation, they have had to pivot towards this reputation that they've gained as independence. I want us to look at a survey. I found this super unique. I, I heard this uh, earlier in the week where a survey was done with junior and senior high students. So 12 to 18 years old, roughly. And then I went and I asked a few of our own students as well. Very interesting. The question that was asked is, or to finish the statement, it was this, I wish my parents knew, dot, dot, dot. You ready for this? I wish my parents knew. These are some of the answers that were given. I wish my parents knew that even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. I wish my parents knew how much I love them, even though I don't always say it. I wish my parents knew how much I treasured their advice when I acted like I couldn't care less. Anyone in that boat? I wish my parents knew that my, uh, that my dad knew how much I loved holding his hand, even when I would act like I was, in, in, excuse me, like it embarrassed me in front of my friends. I love that one. I wish my parents knew when they wouldn't let me date a guy, I acted mad, but I was really thankful that they were fighting for me. I wish my parents knew that instead of threatening to discipline me, I, I need them to do it, to actually do it. Are we hearing the cry of this generation? It's out there. I wish my parents knew that when I see them fight all the time, it really messes me up. I wish my parents knew their words impact me more than any others. Things they don't remember saying have changed my life. I wish my parents knew that I wish I could be more open about my mistakes. I wish my parents knew the evil that I face every day or the fears that I hide behind my rebellion. And the last one, I wish my parents knew how hard it is to stay pure today. These are the, this is the cry of this generation. And I have read these over and over, and there's many others that came from this survey. Over and over again, I think about the emotion of these young people and what they are going through and how they are facing life today. I read over these because I wanted it to stir something inside of me and I pray that it does the same for all of us. I wanna hear the cry of the generation that calls, that calls me their pastor, that calls our team pastor. We wanna hear those cries and I refuse to sit by idly and create something for them to do and then just walk away and hope that it works out. Are you with me? 
Sometimes we pivot in that direction and let's just make sure we have something for them. And God has been challenging me with this a ton lately where it's time for the spirit of Nehemiah to rise up inside us. And together we can fight for these men, young men and young women. And a part of fighting is to build a plan, building a plan that has strategy, that has purpose. It's important to do the work. And I realize that what worked 15 years ago or 10 years ago isn't necessarily what they need today. There is some obviously foundational pieces of truth and perspective and, and, and biblical understanding that will remain till Jesus comes back. But the strategy on how we do this and how we influence these young people and these children needs to shift for 2022. I think about our children's ministry and our youth ministry and Cody is as well wrestling through this young adult season of life as well on how to minister and to strategize for our young adults here at CLA and beyond. All of us have a heart for what is happening. And we want so badly to bring here to our church as well as our prayer for our city and our province and the country and beyond to create space for these young people to find belonging, find a sense of purpose, and find ultimately that love that only Jesus can bring to their life. I could go through this, but for the sake of time, we're going to lay this all out for you families, as well as those that are older, those that don't currently have kids. All of us are responsible, and there's things that are stirring in my heart that I believe the Lord is moving us towards, and I'm excited about that, and I pray that you are as well. Things that matter, things that have value, things that make sense. Keeping them unto, in a place of understanding what worship and intimacy with the Father is. Small group ministry, graded curriculum for our kids where from grade one to grade six, they are learning the scriptures. Who's with me? I think it's so important. Thank you, Michael. Anyone else? We need to be more intentional with this. Youth ministry where every week they can come together, where there's leadership development. I think about some of the areas that, that created in me the greatest opportunity for uh, development as a young person, the environments that I were in, my leaders didn't focus on what was wrong with me, but they, they elevated me to a place of what was good inside of me. And they gave me opportunity to, to excel in areas where, where God clearly had his hand on my life. And we dis I was discipled into a, a place of, of influence and leadership because they believed the best in me and didn't focus on those other things. Yes, through discipleship and through mentorship, God did a big work in my life and so many others during that season. But it was a result of the intimacy with the Father and understanding what that meant to walk with Him and identity and all of those things that we know about. That's what we want to focus on. We have young adult ministry that is, that is, I believe, very, very important. We have incredible ministries around our city that we're partnered with. There's the 403 network for our students. There's Tehillah for young adults over at First Assembly. They have a ministry school where I believe the Lord is, is, is nudging my heart to maybe open up space for our young adults to be a part of. Why reinvent something when we can partner in our city and be a part of things that, that, um, that matter most? Cody has so much on his heart as well when it comes to this deconstruction, uh, this beautiful season of life for so many that are just wrestling through what has been to what is today to what faith can look like tomorrow in one's life. And I could think of nobody better to help steward that. We have great leaders and we have great church, all great church family all through this community that can help us make this something special. All of us play a part. 
And I want to put, as this year moves forward and into next year, to take some of our young adult community, which we already have been doing, but even more strategically, take them and, and, and give them key leadership roles moving forward in this church. Who thinks that's a good idea? Raising up leaders, thank you. Raising up influencers from in-house. God is bringing people. We need to be responsible with that and develop opportunity for discipleship and mentorship. This is my heart. This is the heart of our leadership here at CLA. As we transition, I want to give all of you three things to be thinking about while we pivot towards this over the next year. It's a strong call for every single one of us. Some things that I'm asking all of us to do in 2022. They're not complicated, but there is a commitment that comes with it. Number one is this. We need to pray for this generation. We need to pray for this generation. Now listen to me this morning. My, my children are far from perfect, let me tell you. Just ask the Reeds, our neighbors. They know. We have five kids. They have four. It can be chaos in our lives. They see us in and out. Sometimes I walk downstairs and they're in my house, the, the parents, and I love that, like this weekend. And that's the kind of family that has been created. And they know that we're working through as many challenges as the next family when it comes to our, our kids. And in saying that, we are figuring things out, but I'm convinced that it's because of the consistent prayer from Devin and I, the consistent prayer of our extended family, my parents and Devin's parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, Nana, who's in this room, for those of you who don't know, 98 years old, four generations here in the church. How blessed am I to have that? This is the legacy, but partnered with that is also our faith community that has prayed for my kids and my family. We are not perfect at this, but there has been and will continue to be intentionality towards this. The goal, hear this church, the goal that I have for my kids is for them to love God, to love the church. You've heard me say this before, but also to actually love Devin and I as well by the time they hit 20. That's important. I think I'm doing pretty good on the first two, and there's some days where I fail miserably. Man, is Paisley even going to like me when she's 18? Because at times how hard I am on her and God is working through that. I'll share a bit more of that as, as we move forward this morning. Devin and I have different styles when it comes to caring for the children. She has snuggle time with them almost every night. I'm a little less snuggly. I'm a little more uh, available in other, other ways. But there is investment that she makes with them. Of course, I do as well at nighttime, but creating permission and space for them to ask anything at any time, to be a, the first phone call that they make when they're in trouble and not the last. Are you with me? That's an important one. If your kids are afraid to call you when they're in trouble because they're afraid of how you're going to respond, we need to fix that. We should be the first phone call. We have chosen to fight for our children like all of you have in this room. And there are things that I believe we need to be praying for specifically. Hear this today. Number one, pray for them to fear and reverence God. Not a fear like being afraid, but a fear as in respecting the Almighty God. Where the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. We want our kids to be wise. And this comes from a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord in their life. Now, that sounds old school, but there's so much truth to that. That sometimes we avoid because we're afraid of sounding religious. But when they have a respect for who God is, there's something that comes from that. That can build in them confidence and care 
and, and, and intentionality towards the decisions that they make every single day. The Bible says in Psalms 34, verse 11, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Secondly, we need to pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. I love this. When they know God is involved in their life in a way they never earned or deserved, then I promise you what comes out of that is a natural love for the Lord. It's this understanding that it's nothing that they can do, but it's everything that was done for them through Jesus. And with that comes this understanding of divine favor surrounding them each day with protection, with care, I know it doesn't always look like we think it should or doesn't always end up like we thought it would. But if we're not praying this over our children every day, I would encourage you to do so. When they know God is involved in their life in a way that is, in, is, is on the front lines of every decision they make, every experience that they have, they will see the Almighty through a different lens, I promise you that. Something I'm working on with my kids right now. Psalms 5 verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. There's nothing better for a young person going through life to know that God supernaturally postured them for that moment, for such a time as this. And I believe God is desiring to raise up these young leaders Right now, not next year or three years from now, but for today, we have a responsibility to invest into them in a way that has lasting value. I know that firsthand. I haven't earned anything that I currently have in my life. That is, the older I get, the more I realize how true that that is. But God put me in positions that I never earned. And I knew God's hand was on my life. And you know what it did? It made me fall in love with him because it was out of a heart of absolute joy, absolute understanding of God's desire to see us succeed as his kids. And again, it doesn't always look, the pathway or the journey doesn't always look like we think it should, but often when we pause and look back and recognize how he has been involved in every chapter, it's extraordinary what that does. We pray for that divine favor of the Lord. God, would you supernaturally push our kids forward so that they would know your hand is on their life in Jesus' name. Be praying these things with conviction, encouraging those in your life, whether it's nieces or nephews or grandchildren, neighbor kids, pray for God's divine favor. And here's the third thing. I, we need to pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. Who's, who agrees? The classic saying, and we all have heard it before, I'm sure, but you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. This is one thing that I've talked to my kids about recently. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs says in, in chapter 27, so a friend sharpens a friend. For some of us, we have our kids around at times, may I say this with love, but we have them around companions of, of fools. Friendships that are going nowhere. And it's not that we dissolve those influences in their life completely, but how are we pivoting the time that they spend in these environments towards an intentional, life-giving space that creates in them an understanding of what it looks like peer-to-peer -to, -peer to walk with the Lord. If those types of friendships aren't in their life, we need to consider what to do differently. We should have all types, but most importantly, we should have friends that love the Lord and fear the Lord, that we can walk with and encourage them with each day, things that they can talk to each other about when it comes to the things of God. We want them around the right influences. 
God, would you send the right friendships into our kids' lives in Jesus' name? Who, who desires that for, for the kids in their lives? Absolutely. We are going, I believe this, I, I strongly believe this, but we're going to lose a generation that wants us to fight for them if we don't take this serious. We have to be praying about these things because they want us to fight for them, and that is our responsibility. Number two, and we'll close here in just a few minutes, but number two is this. We need to prioritize faith community. Please forgive me if this is a bit strong on this point, but can I say it like it needs to be said? Do I have permission? Our kids need to take this serious. They need to take com the community of faith serious. Now, what that looks like, we're working through that. But we need to make sure that our children are involved in a rhythm in their week where they are around godly influence, whether it's on a Friday night or a Sunday morning or sometime in the week where they are being given perspective that comes from the scriptures, that comes from the word of God, that comes from men and women, young adults, peers that love the Lord, that are following the Lord with all of their heart. If that is not the case, with a rhythm for your children or your grandchildren, pray that God will open up that door and, and do your part to make sure that that happens for them. We need to do this. We need to take them to church. We need to, as dads, be an example of what it looks like to walk with God. Over these past couple years and even in my own life, it has been challenging to try to convince my kids at times that these things are important because of what they've experienced. They are so used to isolation, to being away from, to, being, to not being around big crowds and, and lots of people covering their faces. It's hard, who agrees, to try to get them out of this mindset. But church, we have to desperately try and do our very best to, to create a new normal for them moving forward. I'm not trying to build this church numerically. That is never the point. You know that in my heart. I'm trying to build into our kids a foundation that will last forever in their life. And from that, there's just health that comes and growth comes naturally through that. This generation needs consistency. The discipline and the strength that comes from being a part of faith community week in and week out. We need to Make sure that we make this priority. Whether you're in this room today or watching online, make sure moving forward that you carve out time in your week to invest in these things. I'm grateful for online. And guess what? Newsflash, a weekly message from me or from Cody or Michael or Nadia, whoever might come up here and preach isn't necessarily going to change your life. Watching it online is awesome and it has value and it's been very important. But it cannot replace that hug that you receive in the lobby after a hard day when a friend here at church looks you in the eye and grabs you and says, I love you, I'm glad to see you. It doesn't replace that. And it will not replace that. We need to be together. All of us do. Sometimes when we come into this room frustrated or angry with our spouse for whatever they did that week or that morning, hello, it is true. And you're in worship and your arms are crossed and it's, and uh, speaking to myself probably, and some friends beside you or across the room or arms lifted, maybe they got a flag out, hello, a few flags in the house or they're jumping around, and all of a sudden, it's being in the presence of God that shifts your thinking and says, ooh, maybe I need to be doing that too. You can't see that online, everybody. You could only experience that in the room. 
And this is something I've been thinking about and, and wrestling with. And strong words, but I know that God desires for us to be together. And it, the beauty of it is it doesn't, because we have online, we, we have this opportunity to, to make it a part of our week every week. But if it becomes a rhythm and a cycle where we're not here more than where we're here less than we are present, that is my challenge to reconsider. Luke 14, verse, or 4, verse 16 says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Every week Jesus gathered. The other verse in Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That is something to consider and to think about for your life. We need to pray, church. We need to prioritize. And we need to participate, every one of us, in the development of this younger generation is my final thoughts this morning. If you're 15 in this room, which some of you are, I'm asking you to make space in your life to serve in some sort of kids' ministry. If you're 22 in this room, come and lead a small group for high, for high school students. They need your heart. If you're a parent in this room, get involved somewhere where discipling takes place for children, for youth, for young adults. This is so important. Get involved. You can't get away from this in Scripture. It's all over the place. There is a call on all of us to live a generational life. It's in the Bible everywhere. Even Titus talks about where older women will teach the younger. The men will teach the young men as well. The Apostle Paul was coaching his apprentice, we all know, Timothy. And he says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, take what you have learned and pass it on to those around you. Well, how do I do this, Pastor Tim? Well, it's very easy. It takes sacrifice, but there's a few things few strategic things that we can do as I close this morning. Sabrina, you can come on up as we end our time. Number one is this. We need to be an example to them. We need to be an example. They don't need you to be smart. They, they just need you to be consistent. Consistent with your life and your time. The other stuff will naturally work itself out. You don't need to have a theology degree to give them principles from Christ because many of you in this room live it out every single day and they just want an ear to hear and someone to walk with them. All of us have that ability. They are watching us. They are desiring to, to please because you heard it in their cries. I wish my parents knew. Now, we'll work through the pleasing piece, but the heart behind that is I just want to make dad proud. Or I just want to make mom smile or auntie look at me and say, well done. Like it's in them. There's this desire of these young people to do things that bring reaction. Sometimes, often good, but sometimes we know that those reactions are negative because of the experiences. But really it's about receiving that attention. Are we giving them the attention that they deserve? Something I've been thinking about a ton. Titus 2, 6 and 7, similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled. 
in everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. I'm calling all of us dads to set an example in our speech and in our patience and in our posture towards our children. They are watching us. All of us can be an example. Secondly, we need to be available. We need to be an example. We need to be available. If they call on us for our time, would you be there and be present and not get distracted? Psalms 90, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should, is my prayer. It's not about counting our days, but it's actually about making our days every day count. As cheesy as that sounds, it is so true. Every day has purpose. Being that example, being available, and lastly this morning, it's about being positive, to be positive about them. What do I mean by that? Again, we are not perfect parents, and we do not have perfect stories. But so far, I could probably say in this room, many of you, we have kids that are learning to love the Lord, and you should be proud of that. Be proud of that. Sometimes Devin just looks at me and says, no, we're not doing it all perfect, but we should be proud of who they are becoming. That's encouraging to me, and someone needs to hear that today. All of us face this, and we experience these challenges no matter who we are. We want them to love God, as I mentioned. We want them to love the church, the faith community, and... We want them to love mom and dad. Most days, I think we're succeeding on that. And here's this one thing that God is hammering home on me in this season of parenting. This is the take home today. We must stop pointing out everything they are doing wrong, because that's already clear, and start telling them who they are and who they can become. If you take anything home with you today, please hear these words. Devin tells me all the time that I'm, I'm so kind to everyone else and so hard on my own children. Anyone can relate to that? That comes from a sincere place, but hearing these words and kind of crafting this in my heart about not pointing out everything that they're doing wrong, but start telling them who they are and who they can become through Christ. That's the posture. That's the difference. That's something I'm working on in my life as well. I know this is what you did, but that is not who you are. Maybe we should respond with something like that next time they do something that drives us crazy. I was doing what it says in the Bible, that is calling things that are not as though they were when we take that posture on. And I'm asking for all of us to do the same, that that is what they want from us. They want us to look at them with encouragement and speak life into them, hope into their life, promise into their future. If we do that for our own and for each other's kids and for our nieces and nephews, and for our friends, high school students, and, and young adults, if we continue to just create an environment of encouragement here at CLA, we will raise up this next generation with a love for the Lord and a confidence in who they are in Christ. Amen? Romans 4, as I close. Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Speaking truth into them, even though we might not see it in the natural, we need to speak it forth in faith over their life and through intentionality of care for this generation. Church, let's bow our heads this morning as I close. Father, I'm asking for the spirit of Nehemiah to fill every person in this room, for every person that's watching online today, for those who may be tuning in later in, in the week as well. Would that, that spirit of desperation rise up in all of us 
not something that comes from, from fear, but from a, a desire to be a part of the solution, to be a part of not the problem, but the opportunity that is in front of us for these kids. Father, would you help us as a church to rebuild those broken walls for this next generation? Help us be ready for whatever comes our way so that we can pivot towards care and concern and love and intentionality in and through their lives. I speak that hedge of protection around every one in this room today, everyone watching. Protect us from responding in fear, responding out of frustration, responding because we're, we're tired or we're just fed up, Lord. Give us grace and patience to navigate with our kids, to speak into them the things that they need to hear and the voices that they're bombarded with every day that are giving them negative messages and negative perspective, Lord. Help us to counteract that with godly truth, with life-giving perspective, with, with a voice that would breathe into them an understanding of who they are in Christ as we've heard all morning long. I pray for that, for our church, for the young people that represent CLA and all the churches in our beautiful city and our province and beyond. God, we are ready to take this on, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. I am, as I said, eager to bring forth a little bit more of what that strategy is going to look like. And if you want to get involved, I implore you to do so. It doesn't have to be a weekly commitment. It can be once a month. But the more of us that get involved intentionally, the greater that we can grow this strategy for all of those that are represented. Have a great rest of your day. We love you. Enjoy the afternoon. We will see you next week. God bless.